Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Dennis Lewis. Dennis, are you ready to do this? I am ready and waiting. Excellent. Let's do this. Dennis is a seasoned digital storyteller and ICO market specialist. He prides himself on making complicated things easier to understand. He's the author of the book, Behold the Cryptopreneurs. I'm excited to have you on Dennis, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Hey, George. Well, thank you very much for having me on. It's a real pleasure. Um, You know, what I do, I've been a marketer. I've been a storyteller all my life. I think I got that from my grandmother. She was an amazing storyteller. And a few years ago, I got invited by a friend of mine who was running this sort of weird blockchain project and they she called me up and she said hey we need somebody who knows how to market because we have no idea and could you help us do this thing called an ico and i really didn't know what i was getting into but uh with my usual zest i jumped in with both feet uh no shoes and we sank and swam and we swam and we made some money and and people started calling and we've done this quite a few times now and you know we've we've learned a lot along the way and I think it's just an amazing opportunity to be with you today and talk to you about cryptocurrencies and blockchain and entrepreneurship and how we can, you know, how the world is changing and making this possible for entrepreneurs to use this technology in exciting ways. I love it. And I will be honest, I saw that uh, you were an ICO marketing specialist and had background in there and I had to Google. I'm like, that's right, initial coin offering. So it it all came rushing back to me. How many how many ICOs are going on now on, on maybe an annual basis or what's what's what, what's the best way to get our arms around that? Well, the, I think the best way to get to think about it is this, uh, because right now it, there's not as many going on maybe as there were. Uh, 2017, you know, was the big boom of ICOs uh, in 2017. Uh, ICOs uh, raised more money for projects than venture capital. Wow. So just to give you your audience an idea, that's literally billions of dollars. Um, Not all that money was necessarily well-raised and well-used, and and a lot of the projects haven't quite been able to materialize on what they wanted to do. We can talk a little bit about that. But the phenomenon and the ability to to use this technology to to fund uh, really cool uh, entrepreneurial projects, I think, is an amazing opportunity. I think it's just getting off the ground. There's a there's a huge focus of future for it, as long as we you know correct some of the mistakes that have been made in the past. Okay, well, what's what's the best way to jump into that? Is it to talk about the mistakes that have been made in the past or the opportunity first? You. Well, well, maybe maybe let's just jump in first and just uh, one of the things I'd like to, 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 you know, because a lot of it's true. This this whole technology isn't easy to understand. 
Okay, it's uh, you know I, I remember basically when we were just starting off on that first project, somebody, a friend of mine, called up and said, "But isn't that just monopoly money?" <laughs> and that got me thinking. And you know, the answer to that question is surprisingly, uh, it's both a yes and a no. Sort and of. it's a, <laughs> it's a yes because it's money that is it's a new form of money that's never been. Uh, you know, that didn't exist before. So you could sort of say it's monopoly money, but it's a no because all money is actually monopoly money. Sure. Um, you know, there. if you stop and you think about it, money is only as valuable as we believe it is valuable. And that's the only thing that gives it value. And I mean, if you actually look at your dollar bill that you have in your pocket, it doesn't even say that the U.S. government backs that dollar. It's backed by the Federal Reserve, which is a private organization, right? So the idea of money is is only valuable when people believe it's valuable and cryptocurrency is just another way of creating money using mathematical algorithms and it's just as worthless or just as valuable as people want to believe it is at any one given moment got it well, i think that certainly makes sense so uh, so the problems and so so the problems well the problems are pretty people have heard of them all you know the problems are Projects that raised money and ended up sitting on a beach somewhere. Mm. There's projects that uh, that probably were very well intentioned and and just didn't know what to do with all that money that they raised. Uh, you know, one of the things I tell people a lot is there's probably not a better way to kill a really great project than to give it too much money before they need it. Ah. And and that happened, and it happens, and it's still happening. You know, uh, it, it was funny. I. I think it was yesterday, day before yesterday, I did a post on, on LinkedIn. It's gotten, I think, 17,000 views now. And, and it was all about the Zuckerberg paradox, you know. And I said that, uh, you know, I don't think there's a human being alive that's done more to harm human progress than Mark Zuckerberg. And, you know, that's a kind of a, a, a bold thing to say on, on LinkedIn <laughs> maybe. But, but the reason isn't because of Facebook. It's because of this myth that – you know, a young, dreamy-eyed kid in a dorm room wearing a hoodie is going to solve the world's problems and is going to come into every industry and disrupt and make, you know, miracles happen. And we've all bought into this mythology. Uh, and, you know, that's definitely true in the blockchain industry. People really get gung-ho gung behind young, exciting entrepreneurs and CEOs. But it takes more than that to make a make a business thrive. It takes, you know, sort of the the boring parts too. It takes accounting, and it takes knowing how to manage people, and it takes knowing how to actually want to solve real problems for real people. And these are some of the things that are missing in a lot of the blockchain projects, and they have been for maybe a couple of years now. And that's what the book is about. The book is about that we need. We need to really take this amazing technology and apply it to projects that solve, you know, difficult problems that are hurting real people. And when we do that, it's gonna it's gonna be a whole new ballgame. Got it. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dig into that, and it makes all the sense in the world to me that I, I remember reading the the E Myth, and that's been probably you know 15, 20 years ago uh, that, that, a, that I read it's an it. Awesome book, isn't it? Yeah, it's an awesome book. And it's certainly as true today as it ever was. And fundamentally speaking, just because somebody is amazing, an amazing technician, 
um, for example, the best cook in the world or chef in the world doesn't necessarily make the best restaurateur in the world. And just because somebody can create an amazing technology does not mean that that person is going to be capable of making an amazing business out of it. So it certainly makes sense to me that just because there's a brilliant kid in a hoodie um, <laughs> does not mean that, that, that he or she is going to be able to, to, to create an amazing business. So. And then you give that guy, that, that, that kid in a hoodie, you give him $30 million and you can imagine what happens then, right? Uh, it, nine times out of 10, it, it's not going to work. I mean, that, it's not the right moment to give those projects that much money uh, without, uh, you know, without creating all sorts of problems and problems I've seen from the inside that live through them, you know, problems where partners get into fights and they, you know, and they don't know how to allocate the resources or they don't know, they suddenly think they have to be Warren Buffett and invest all this money to keep it all growing whenever they're not Warren Buffett. So many things happen that, uh, you know, I think there's, there's so much promise, but it really, you know, it stands out that we need serious cryptopreneurs that have, you know, have real world experience that have been in the trenches and know how to, to apply the technology to make, you know, to tackle problems like, like we're seeing every day, you know, tackling problems in healthcare, tackling problems in democracy with voting, tackling problems in supply chains. These are the, these are some of the things that blockchain is so well suited for. And that's where we need to be focused and not necessarily just on building the next shiny blockchain. Yeah, that, that certainly does make a lot of sense. Um, do you think that that's just because people think or perceive that that those things that you're talking about, sort of mundane things that blockchain could make an amazing impact on, just aren't sexy enough to attract big time capital? Is that the reason that, or what, why? No, why? I think I think it's it. You know, this is an industry that's very much in its infancy. It's just really, you know, it's just really taking taking off and. And it's a very because it's very technology oriented. It's very prone to being, you know, the the leaders of these of most of these companies are very they're technologists, they're they're programmers, they're cryptologists, they're very, uh, you know, they're very focused on the mechanics of the of the of the technological solution, and they're not very well experienced on how to make that a compelling story that gets people excited or how to, you know, apply it to these problems in the real world where it could have the most impact. And so that's why we see a lot of, uh, a lot of the projects that have raised a lot of money that have been excessively technology oriented towards, you know, maybe processing more transactions per second or processing, you know, um, you know, the developing more sophisticated smart contract technologies. These are, these are, these are interesting things, but they aren't the things that are going to make your grandma want to use cryptocurrency, you know, in her everyday life. And that's where I think the future lies is that when we start seeing mass use and mass adoption of these technologies, that's where the real benefits will come from. Got it. And where do you see the, 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 the biggest opportunities to, to create mass adoption? Well, you know, I think that we'll see them in, uh, in, in a couple of different ways. You know, first of all, there, there are 
we could call boring applications that are very important and very could be very powerful. I mean, we could be talking about preventative maintenance for our airlines and airplane, you know, uh, maintenance that, mm. that it might not sound super, uh, you know, super sexy, like you said, but it, you know, it could be a, it could be an amazing transformation for, for, for an entire industry. Um, we're going to see it in, in what I would call participatory economies where, you know, one of the things, if you look at Facebook, uh, you know, who's the, what's the product? And, 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 and the answer is we're the product. We're, we're what's being bought and sold. Yeah. And we don't get anything really out of it other than we get to see pictures of Aunt, Aunt Maisie or Aunt May, you know, at the county fair. Right. right. Uh, uh, min, meanwhile, you know, uh, my buddy Zuckerberg goes to the bank every day, you know, and we <laughs> – and we hit the the boost post button and send him and buy him a coffee. You know, we buy him a Starbucks. Uh, those things are are you know that that is an example of you know a technology that's kind of turned on its head. I think we'll see very soon projects that are gaining adoption where we're all participating in that economy. Where you know, okay, why wouldn't if uh you know if I'm creating a piece of content on on a social platform that is getting you know is getting views and people are enjoying it why aren't i participating in the rewards from from that happening and we're going to see projects like that and we're going to see projects where uh you know things like uh voter fraud are going to be eliminated because you know there's going to be an indelible record that is you know on the blockchain that can't be uh that can't be manipulated these are different ways of using this technology to solve real problems. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. Yeah. It seems like that would be a pretty, a pretty important one that in, in the current climate talking about, you know, voter fraud and, and, and other countries hacking our election and, and this, that, and the other thing, what is stopping <laughs> that from happening? <laughs> not, not, not Mitch McConnell. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I probably shouldn't have gone there. Um, you know, I don't know what to say. Uh, it, it's definitely a problem. I think most people can see that it's a problem. Even, you know, even people who don't want to see it know that it's a problem. Um, and we're definitely up to the task of, uh, you know, of, of fixing it. I mean, if we're able to build, you know, we're able to build rockets that go to the moon and we're able to build nuclear power reactors and we're able to build so many amazing things. Don't you think we're able to figure out a way to run elections where we can feel confident that they're, the votes aren't being manipulated? I, I, I would certainly think that. Um, so I just it's one of those things where you're not I'm, I'm really I really am curious. So the technology does exist and. What's stopping it are our politics or just other forces who don't want the technology to be utilized. I guess that's the fundamental answer. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess there's, you know, there's always like, like everything change is not fast. It's slow. There's probably economic interests in maintaining centralized, mm. you know, software companies selling voting systems that, you know, that use their own proprietary technology. And, and until we realize that those, those, centralizations create points of you know that are de that are weak that could be a, that are easily vulnerable to attack uh that's when you start seeing the that the power of a decentralized system like blockchain 
really stands out. You say, okay, well, if every voting machine in the in, in the country is you know collaborating with each other to keep track of all of the results, then you know you're not going to you're not going to hack every machine simultaneously all over the country, right? Well, that sounds like a good idea, and that's exactly what. Uh, you know what blockchain technology would be doing it would be uh, distributing the the load over you know literally thousands of of, of computers connected simultaneously which would you know eliminate single points of failure got it all right so I've heard different conversations about this or other arguments about it saying well we bank online why not be able to vote online and um, and I guess fundamentally I guess anything can be hacked Right, so I guess if you if you really wanted to be 100% safe, the only real option would be using a paper ballot. Um, but it, so, is there well, a way I to? Mean, what, I mean, I guess you you're, you that? know paper ballots are. I think paper ballots as a backup in the process is a great idea, uh, just because it gives another layer of of security there. But I mean, in the end, we want election results quickly. We want. Uh, you know, uh, the idea behind the blockchain is is that it isn't anything else than an accounting system, but it's an accounting system that doesn't depend on any one actor. So there isn't a single database that is centralized that could be manipulated. Uh, that that database is shared between literally thousands and thousands of uh, of computers that use algorithms to make sure that they stay synchronized and they stay, uh, you know, things can't be changed. So that is the the fundamental power of the blockchain. That's what it does. That's that's all it does, and uh, it, it's uniquely positioned to be a great solution for that kind of problem. So when you say it's distributed across thousands of computers, I think that's hard for me to get my brain around. Well, okay. So let's let's imagine this. Right now, your bank balance is you've got an account at. at Wells Fargo, we'll give uh, we'll give uh, Warren Buffett's uh, investment some some some, bun, uh, some some love there. Uh, they've got a big centralized mainframe computer, right? And it's got your bank balance in there, and it's got those seven million bucks that you've got sitting in your checking account, right? Yep. And uh, all it takes is for somebody to go into that centralized database and say, "Well, okay, George now has uh, seven thousand dollars instead of seven million." Mm. Now, there, there obviously is there's some there's some uh, you know they've got processes in place that are designed to help minimize that from happening and, and you're trusting their their the the bank's you know good faith and their and their organization to to protect from that but it it's definitely possible you know it's happened I mean you know it, it, it could be fixed later maybe somebody will figure out yeah okay so. This guy changed the the record and he didn't shouldn't have done that. Maybe they'll give you back your six million bucks. But meanwhile, you don't have them, right? Well, with a blockchain, what happens is there is no one single computer doing that job. That balance on your account is simultaneously stored in a thousand computers everywhere, and they all uh, work to agree every time a transaction occurs uh, between them. To keep track of the changes that are happening, so in order to change your bank balance, they would you would literally have to change it simultaneously in thousands of computers at the same time, and that is a definitely a you know a much harder thing than you know changing it in one computer. Oh, and that's sure. the that's the beauty of decentralization. 
it also comes with costs. It's it's obviously not as a, it's not as computationally efficient. It takes more. It's harder because you're having to keep all those computers working at the same time in, in agreement. Uh, that's called a consensus algorithm. But, uh, you know, fortunately, the technology now exists. It's just a question of how do we want to use it? When do we want to use it? Uh, and, you know, there are centralized organizations which prefer not to use it because uh, it makes their reason to exist maybe a little bit redundant. Got it. I like it. Well, Dennis, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Okay, this one comes straight from my. This one comes straight from my grandma, you know, and uh, uh, I'll, I'll remember it always. Uh, you know, I always, when I was a little kid, I talked a lot, and I remember one day she sat me down and she looked at me and she said, "Dennis, you know, look at yourself in the mirror." I was. She had a little mirror that I looked in there. She said, "How many years do you have?" She said, "I said, well, I've got two years, Grandma." And she said, "How many mouths do you have?" And I said, well, I've got one mouth. And she said, well, good Lord made you that way on purpose. <laughs> Two ears and one mouth. I love it. <laughs> so if anybody has, uh, I guess that's my tip. Listen more, talk less. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. And Dennis, th- <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they get a copy of the book? Okay, the book is on Amazon. It's called Behold the Cryptopreneurs. And anybody interested can go to cryptopreneurs.club and get the first four chapters for free. So I'll repeat that's cryptopreneurs.club. Uh, you get the first four chapters for free. And if you want to grab the whole book, it's on Amazon and Kindle version and paper version. And yeah, that's it. That's where you got to go. Love it. Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Dennis your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to cryptopreneurs.club. I'll list that in the notes of the show as well. Thanks again, Dennis. Thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out and go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!